0: Kidney disease is one of the leading causes for the needs of a kidney transplant. And I have today with me two subject matter experts who are part of the Kidney Disease Prevention and Education Task Force, created and sponsored by Illinois State Senator Maddie Hunter and also includes Dr. Paramal, who is a nephrologist and in charge of the program at Stroger Hospital in Chicago. I'm Marianne Shuck, your host of Let's Talk Hope, a podcast devoted to organ and tissue donation, sharing stories from subject matter experts, donor families, people waiting, and those who are recipients. And today, we're gonna talk about prevention and education so that folks do not need a transplant. Dr. Paramo, Senator Hunter, thank you so much for joining me today. So, Senator Hunter, let's start with you. Can you help us understand the impetus behind the Kidney Disease Prevention and Education Task Force and why you sponsored it?
1: Well, the organ and tissue donor is a life-saving act of kindness. Organ donation is especially important to communities of color who have a higher prevalence of certain diseases, such as diabetes, hypertension, and kidney disease, which can lead to organ failure. Because of this, black and brown people are disproportionately in need of organ and tissue transplants. I am the co-chair of the state's Kidney Disease Prevention and Education Task Force with my representative, Maurice West. I have a family member. Actually, my my late mother had diabetes and later diagnosed with kidney disease and, and went on a dialysis machine. And now that my family members are getting older, they are being diagnosed with diabetes and having kidney disease as well. And I lost a niece a couple of years ago as a result of complications associated with dialysis. And so diabetes and other healthcare issues are near and dear to my heart. I've been looking at disparities and issues over the years. You know, we started looking at stats like nearly 4,000 people in Illinois are waiting for organ transplants with Black adults often waiting the longest. The availability of organs and tissue for transplants is, is low among people of color due to decreased rates of donation, the cultural beliefs, and, and just other factors. And so I knew that we needed to do something like increasing the awareness of the importance of organ donation and addressing these uh, disparities that help ensure that people of color have equitable access to life-saving organ and tissue transplants. We just felt that we could accomplish these goals by going through an education and outreach effort. So I connected with several organizations that focuses on organ donor, gift of life, organization, as well as the the, the Chicago chapter of the National Kidney Foundation. And we had numerous conversations and conversations and more conversations. And so my whole thing is promoting education and awareness through outreach efforts. And so Representative West and I have created the legislation. We had it passed. Governor signed it into law and we created a Kidney Disease Prevention and Education Task Force. It's made up of experts in the field, subject matter experts, and the purpose is developing strategies to raise community awareness of kidney disease. It also establishes initiatives to engage and educate clinical providers and the public. It creates early detection initiatives, which is very, very important, and also... We, uh, we discuss new ways to improve access to kidney care in the state of Illinois. And so we're working to accomplish this through educational workshops and seminars.
0: And so Dr. Paramah, uh as the medical director for hemodialysis services in the Division of Nephrology at John A. Schroeder Hospital, you've been appointed to this Kidney Disease and Prevention Task Force by Senator Hunter. And you're also on the front line of dialysis, which is a result of end-stage renal disease. Can you help us understand why it's so important and help us understand a little bit about what a nephrologist does and why it's important to be a part of this task force with Senator Hunter?
2: As a nephrologist, you know, I deal with patients who have kidney disease. Most of the time, they're unaware of their kidney disease. To start first i with my personal experience i have two members in my family who had kidney disease and they were completely unaware of it one was my niece who ended up having a transplant five years after his marriage and my mother who came to visit me from india had a massive cardiac arrest and i had to be on life support for five days and then in, when we had the discussion about withdrawal of care, you know, my dad was so enthusiastic about organ donation. So kidney disease is very near and dear to me. As a nephrologist and the medical director for dialysis, we see patients who have no idea about their health come through emergency room and crash into dialysis. And that changes not only their lives, but all the lives of everyone who are connected with that patient. And that prompted us to really think about how can we start raising awareness and educating the population about the kidney disease. As we all know, kidney disease is a silent killer. None develop symptoms at very early kidney disease. When they start developing symptoms of kidney disease, almost often they are at very late stages and we are discussing about dialysis and transplantation that's why i'm excited to be a member in this task force share my knowledge and work with the team to really develop strategies for education raise awareness and most importantly empower the population with the knowledge they need about the kidney disease so we are not talking about prevention, we are only talking about
0: really taking care of their kidney health. And Senator Hunter, you mentioned the task force. Can you help us understand who you appointed, why you appointed them, and and what is the outcome you hope to have at the end of the period that you have to create outcomes and results? We created, based
1: on the need, we created five subcommittees. We have a transplant subcommittee which evaluates ways to expand workforce entry programming to include individuals who receive and donate kidneys as well as working with dialysis centers, educational institutions, and organ donor programs. We have a dialysis subcommittee, an awareness and early detection subcommittee, and we have a health disparity health equity subcommittee, and we have a donation committee. And so we needed folks who were experts in donations of kidneys. We needed experts who knew about dialysis. We needed experts focusing on awareness and early detection. And so we searched around, and many of these people were already known to the Chicago chapter of the National Kidney Foundation as well as gift of hope. And myself and the representative, we knew other people whom we could bring to the table. And so we, we identify experts to sit on these subcommittees as well as the task force in general. And that's how we got it done.
0: Awesome. And Dr. Paramah, Oftentimes people think of dialysis as a death sentence. They think of it as something that is going to drain the life out of them. And there's not a lot of education and prevention to help people understand that dialysis is a bridge to a transplant. Can you speak to that and what you hope to accomplish with more education about dialysis and its role in leading to a life-saving transplant?
2: Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's often what I hear from our patients when we mention the word dialysis. It, it seems like that's the end of their life, not only theirs, but all the family members as well. And I do agree with you. There's not been a much of the education about the different modalities of dialysis. Now, traditionally, in most of these patients, when they come through emergency room, they have emergent indications for dialysis they get a catheter placed and started on hemodialysis. After that, you know, they are moved to a dialysis unit, and there's not been much discussion about changing modalities, even when they are started on hemodialysis. But lately, with the CMS uh, being more, you know, advocating about home dialysis programs, I'm sure that will change. And I also see uh, there has been multiple educational initiatives to discuss different modalities, modalities of dialysis with the patients and also during our monthly rounds with hemodialysis patients we start discussing about changing modalities if they want to move to home dialysis therapies. So I think there's increasing awareness about different modalities. More importantly, I think there's more comfort level among the physicians to be able to explain these modalities to the patients. And most importantly, is access to the home dialysis programs as well. You know, when you look at the data from renal nephrology fellowships, one of the things they noted that many of the fellows who graduated didn't have enough knowledge about home dialysis. And so when they are practicing in the community uh, and they are not inclined to discuss that because they themselves didn't have enough knowledge. But that's definitely changing. I think uh, CMS, in collaboration with the American Society of Nephrology, have broadened and a bro- increased the educational you know, uh, opportunities for nephrology fellows to learn more about the home dialysis programs. There are also like TOPS classes available for patients to attend and understand the different modalities. So I think it is changing, but again, it's all about patient physician communication and conversation. When they have you know, kidney disease, when their estimated kidney function is 20% or less, this discussion needs to begin. If we wait too late, then it becomes an emergency indication and often hemodialysis is the choice. So all of this needs to be started very early in the kidney clinic. Uh, Not only the physician taking care of the patient, but also the entire kidney care team should be discussing with the patient and share the resources with the patient and the family so they are comfortable discussing dialysis and choosing the modality that will suit their lifestyle. And again, we have to be more proactive about discussing preemptive transplantation. So traditionally, we always think about they all have to start dialysis and then, uh, you know, see them on dialysis for a year or two and then start discussing about transplant. That's not the case anymore. So preemptive transplantation must be offered at the same time we offer dialysis to the patients. And you'll be surprised, you know, especially with this matched pair programs, even if they do not have someone that would be a good match Definitely, they can reach out to centers to be enrolled in those, you know, match pair programs so there are higher chances of them getting successful kidney transplant. So it's almost a change of a mindset, a paradigm shift in how we offer these modalities to the patients and engage them and have them really involved in that discussion from day one and also engage the family as well because that's when you have a very successful outcome. That is a very
0: great segue and question I have for both of you. One of the things that's important to note is that as we talk about transplantation, as we talk about education and prevention for communities, we know that communities of color uh, make up the majority of the people on the transplant waiting list for kidneys. And we often know that They don't often have access and education and information and resources as most other people will. One, because of myths and misconceptions that they believe, historical clinical trials on communities of color that have led to mistrust. Uh, Senator Hunter, I'll ask you this first. Why is it so important that we really get this information to communities of color and not just the communities, but as Dr. Peramo mentioned, the families and the villages and the people that make up the community.
1: As we know, kidney disease is the ninth leading cause of death in the United States, with uncontrolled diabetes and high blood pressure as the top contributing factors of kidney failure. Black Americans are four times more likely to develop kidney disease, So we got to raise awareness by promoting early detection of chronic kidney disease and its risk involving diabetes and hypertension. And it can help prevent this disease from developing or progressing, especially in Chicago's black and brown communities. This largely preventable disease is claiming the lives of our neighbors, simply due to lack of awareness and access to treatment. And so this task force is dedicated to raising public awareness and presenting solutions to reduce the prevalence of kidney disease and racial disparities to diagnose so that no one has to watch their loved ones die from this disease.
0: Thank you. And Dr. Paramah, you see a lot of people in your clinics. And could you tell us the percentage of people from communities of color that you see? And what are some ways that you try to reach out to, as you mentioned earlier, themselves, their families, um, to be able to give them these resources and help them understand the bridge between dialysis and transplants?
2: So, you know, I work at Strojo Hospital. So I would say ninety-five percent of patients that we see are of color. Majority of them are African Americans and small percentage of them are Hispanics. So when I see a patient for the first time, you know, they're referred by their primary care physicians for kidney disease, I first listen to them about their lifestyle, their family, their work just to get an understanding, who is this person? Because what I do not want them to see is, this is a patient with a kidney disease. The moment we start seeing them as patients with kidney disease, it almost makes a patient think that they are at the end of their journey and they have nothing to really look for in their life. So I really try to understand who is this patient, who is this patient in the family, and who is this patient in the community. And I share with them everything about their risk factors, as uh, Senator was saying, about their diabetes, blood pressure, and also look at the lifestyle, what else has been going on. I always believe every one of us is a microcosm of a macrocosm. So yes, we do have high-risk diseases like diabetes and hypertension, but we also need to focus on where we live, where we work, what do we eat, how do we engage with the family, who's the social circle. So I try to get most of the information about the patient and then share with them about the kidney disease facts that Senator was talking about. I always tell them at the end of the first visit, this is a partnership. It's not about physician telling the patient what to do. It is both of us working together to prevent the progression of the kidney disease. And also to manage the other high-risk diseases, often it's diabetes or hypertension. And then it becomes a partnership. Once we make the patient feel that they have a say in their care and they're actively involved, they're engaged and their families engaged, I often find the outcomes much better than a patient who is not engaged in the healthcare.
0: Great. One of the things that we talk about gift of hope so much is creating the circle of donation, creating a social norms so that people can have an understanding about prevention. And creating a seamless culture and a positive culture from donation from the hospitals, the transplant centers, to Gift of Hope. And one of the things that is really big for both of you is prevention. Senator Hunter, one from you, from your personal perspective about why prevention is so important. And then Dr. Paramall, if you could talk about prevention and Are there ways to um, delay or reverse diabetes to prolong the need to get on dialysis? I think the prevention piece of this task force is so important. And Senator, if you could just talk about that.
1: Prevention is so important because we must learn, first of all, what is kidney disease? What is it? What does it do? How can I better take care of myself? When I was 10 years old, my mother was diagnosed with kidney disease, diabetes, and then it transformed into kidney disease. I was young, but as I grew up and started learning more and more about diabetes and kidney disease, I had to learn how to better take care of myself. I had to learn how to watch my diet in terms of what I put into my body. I had to learn how to eat nutritious meals. I had to stop eating so much, so many sugary, putting any kind of sugar in my body, whether it's drinks or candy or, or whatever. I just had to learn how to. I had to learn how to get a physical exam, as well as everyone else in my family, a physical exam exam every single year to check our blood sugar level. I didn't know it. I was a kid at that time. I didn't know anything about it. But because of what I saw my mother go through for 20-something years, I had to learn how to take care of her, and I had to also learn how to take care of myself and my other siblings. Prevention is so important that I don't see how we can live without prevention. And I know that we as legislators are not spending or appropriating enough dollars to go towards prevention. Everyone wants to spend more dollars on treatment. Well, darn it. If we spend more money on prevention on the front end, we want to deal with this back end treatment stuff. You know what I mean?
0: I absolutely know what you mean. And just imagine if you knew as a 10 year old or a 15 year old what you know now. People always say to me, when I started working at Gift of Hope, it was 14 years ago, and my daughter was 10, and I had the conversation with her because uh, she would have been the legal next of kin for my husband and myself. And so, to not have a 10 year old understand what organ and tissue donation was and understood, God, you know, willing, we wouldn't have to make that choice, you know, until she was an adult. But we had made the choice already. But to really. I think inform everybody in our village is so important. And so I thank you, you know, just for sharing that personal story with us. Dr. Parama, prevention. As
2: um, Senator was saying, really the education needs to start at a very young age because kidney disease is a very slowly progressive disease. And again, if you look at the causes of kidney disease, diabetes and hypertension are the leading causes of kidney disease. And often, you know, diabetes and hypertension start in like late 20s or 30s, and many of them are not aware of that. So really, the education needs to start when they're very young. As, As Senator was saying, as young as 10 years old because i feel like all of the things that we do as young children teenagers high school and college that's what really accumulates and then becomes a disease later on for example i've seen you know young kids using painkillers regularly for the headaches or other aches and pains and not many know that these painkillers if taken frequently for many years can lead to kidney disease as Senator was pointing out, taking sugary drinks that can also lead to diabetes and hypertension, eating salty foods that can definitely lead to hypertension. So the education, it's not so much only focused on patients who you know come to the clinics, it really needs to be a community-wide education about kidney health. Things that we can do to avoid developing kidney disease at later, life, later stages in their life. So I think it's, we have to look at the education as what can we do at the school level? What can we do at the college level? Now with the National Kidney Foundation, I know they do the mobile screening events in colleges. I think that is a great initiative to at least raise awareness about kidney disease among the college students as well. And of course, we need to reach out to other communities, other disadvantaged populations, so that, you know, we can start educating every one of them about the importance of screening for kidney disease, especially if they have diabetes and hypertension.
0: Absolutely. And I wonder... Because in a lot of communities of color, there is this hesitancy to talk about medical history. There is a hesitancy to let someone know what you're going through. And I will tell you from my personal experience, uh, my brother had not been to the doctor in like 20 years. And he started experiencing challenges. They said that, you know, if you make these changes to your life, you could probably stave off dialysis. And he was a black male. You couldn't tell him anything. He had a mistrust of doctors. And so while we were in Miami celebrating my nephew, making it to the NFL, being in his first game, my brother did not arrive. And we were like waiting to pick him up from the airport. Unbeknownst to us, he was in Dallas and had emergency surgery to get on dialysis. And so didn't tell us, had no idea. And it really makes me think, you know, prevention to both of your points is so critical and vital, but also sharing medical history, right? From our ancestors and from parents down to children, because my great grandmother would always say, we'd always ask her, you know, I'm 11 years old. Why are your feet swole, swollen, Mama Lula? And she would say to us, oh, I just have a touch of the sugar. I didn't know what that was. Um, now I know being in healthcare is diabetes. And so, but nobody talked about that. What is your, both of your perspectives on the need to share, in, across families, across communities.
1: As I've grown up throughout my life, I've realized that Black folks, we have so many stigmas that it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous to the point where we consider these kinds of sharing information as something secret, something that only the family should know about. And then sometimes they don't want some family members to know <laughs> what's going on with them you know? And so we know our bodies better than anybody. We know when we normally didn't have a headache, but now we're having headaches. Now we didn't have jittery, a jittery feeling. Now we're having jittery feelings. And so we need to share this information to stop saying that this is secret, that we don't want nobody outside the family to know what's going on. with How can the doctors help you diagnose what is going on with you if you don't tell them what is going on. They want to help you. Just like the doctor indicated, she wants to know about the person, the person, the individual. That means that if she wants to know about the individual, you must share personal information with her so that she can better care for you and better serve you and better save your life. And we need to just get over all of these stigmas. You know, that's why we, we have to spend so much more time with educating our people, education, 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 and promoting awareness. And we just have to break it down and not go through a global kind of, we need to break down the issues into Black folks. I don't know if other nationalities and other cultures have this issue, but we do in the Black community. And you know what? is killing us.
0: Senator Hunter, so what do you say to people who invoke the Tuskegee syphilis experiment as the reason why they don't go to the doctor?
1: Yeah, that's a good question because I just had the same conversation with someone about actually I think it was last month. I've had so many people to tell me, well I don't I don't participate in trials, in these medical trials. I said, well why not? And then they'll bring up the Tuskegee. Situation. I said, look, let me tell you something. Although the folks down South who instrumented that study on Black folks without their knowledge and approval, it saved some lives. In order for the medical profession to save Black folks' lives, we must participate in these trials that are out here. I found out that all hypertension medicines are not good for, for black folks, that everyone cannot take the same kinds of medicines as other cultures do. I don't know why this is the case. That's why we need to go through the trials. Perhaps black. I just tell people we are so special that we can only take certain kinds of meds or certain kind of foods that are good for us. God made us this way. So let's find out what it is that turns us on and turns us off, that helps us and that hurt us. And let's roll up our sleeves, educate ourselves, educate our families, educate our community so we can start saving lives. I am tired of going to funerals. I've gotten so, some of the funerals I don't even attend. And people are very angry with me because, you mean to tell me you didn't come to so-and-so, so-and-so's funeral? We grew up together as children. I'm tired of going to funerals. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of reading obituaries. I'm tired as a senator getting death resolutions. I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired. So let's get ourselves together, Black folks. Let's stop eating all of these fast foods. That's all, that, that is what is in our community. We need to learn how to go back to the basics. Our grandparents grew our own foods, fruits and especially fruits and vegetables. We didn't have a farm in Chicago. My grandparent, my grandfather had one in Mississippi, but my father, my mother, when they came up, when they migrated to Chicago in the fifties, we had a backyard. So we grew lettuce, bell peppers, onions. We grew some of our foods in the backyard. So we may have to go a little distance, a little further distance to purchase fresh foods and fresh vegetables. But it's worth it because in the long run, it's going to save your life because it's beginning to save mine as well. It just takes longer. It just takes longer. But just be patient because this
0: is your life. Absolutely. And Dr. Paramount, what would you say to people who continue to have medical mistrust? What do you say to people who continue, as Dr. Hunter said, to be secretive about their health care and their medical history? And how can we overcome that for people and help them understand the innovations in healthcare and in medical innovations?
2: So I'm going to share what, uh, my experience when I came to this country and started my residency at Stroja Hospital. I remember he was a 70-year-old African American man who had been followed by previous doctors. He entered the clinic room and said, uh, "You know, where's the doctor?" So I was just like about a month, uh, you know, came from India, and he saw me. You know, you can be a doctor. Where is my doctor? You know, so immediately there was a wall I could see going between him and me saying like, you know what, I don't trust you because you are from another country and I don't think you can take care of me. So I had this conversation with him He says, yes, I am So I am a medical doctor coming from India. I have my medical degree. And let's see, you know, let me, um, you know, talk to you for a few minutes and then we'll see if we can establish a relationship. And what I realized, you know, when we talk about medical mistrust, you know, once they see a physician as someone above them and they really can't come down to their level to have that conversation, they always have this feeling of, can I trust this doctor, especially if they are from other countries, right? So I think we need to make them feel comfortable saying like, we are here to help you and we are here to have any sort of conversation you want to have with us about your health and making them, making them feel like, you know, we as doctors also go through the same medical challenges like them. You know, once we sort of cut that ice, cut that you know barrier, then they're much, much, open to actually talking about not only the medical problems, but also the issues that impact the medical problems, their work, their family, their lifestyle. So I think for that mistrust to go away, it takes a lot from the physicians, from the healthcare team, to make the patient feel comfortable first, to be able to share their you know problems with the healthcare team. In terms of the research, I was involved in a research with University of Michigan, looking at the kidney disease among African Americans. And one of the um, questionnaires was about participation in the genetic study. Um, As Senator was pointing out about the Tuskegee experiment, we did find a lot of resistance among research participants to sign up for the genetic study. And the reason being, they did not understand what this testing is about and how those results will be used you know for their health care for insurance purposes and what we found is if the research coordinator and the principal investigator often it's a physician sat with the patient, explained to them what the study is about and how these results will be used to help them actually take care of their diseases better, uh, have access to medications, then they were more interested in participating in that study. So I think the most important thing is really you know that physician-patient conversation and ongoing engagement with the patient and the family is probably the best way to really alleviate this medical mistrust.
0: I want to thank you both so much for being here. This has been such an informative conversation about, one, the task force, but two, ways that you guys are going to be instrumental in really creating outcomes to help in prevention and education for communities, not just communities of color, but communities all over, but really with an emphasis to help communities of color through prevention and education, but also being able to link it to the different donation partners with transplants so people can really begin to advocate for themselves. And I think that's what's really important through your task force. I'd like you guys to each sort of sum up what you think your work is going to be like over the next course of the time you have. And then I'd also like you to come back and really tell us what the outcome was from all of your donation subcommittees and help people understand. Because oftentimes people say, oh, things happen, but we never really know what happened or they never tell us the results. I think your information is so critical that we want to have you come back and tell people what the outcome and the results are?
1: Well, thank you so much for giving us an opportunity to be here today. I just think that we are going to be extremely busy the next year or so promoting education, putting all different kinds of outreach efforts in place, promoting awareness and making folks aware of what's going on out here with our bodies and food, deserts and And we just just have a lot of work to do, but I'm ready. I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and get to going so that I know we must accomplish tremendous goals because we have to answer to you by coming back and letting the people know what our accomplishments has been. And it has to be a tremendous accomplishment. We cannot fail on this matter because if we fail, our community and our neighbors and our family fail.
2: Yes, you know, I'm extremely grateful for this task because I think it's such a, you know, important, uh, you know, initiative that we need, especially in Illinois. Um, as we, you know, discussed in detail about the disproportionate uh, number of African-Americans and Hispanics with kidney disease, um, I'm super excited to think about different ways to educate, to raise awareness in the community and I'm very interested in looking at uh, different strategies, opportunities uh, to start really talking about this as early as high school, you know, because I feel, you know, I feel it's so important to engage the children and young adults in this discussion. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with all the task force members, you know, to come up with uh, different strategies, uh, not only at the community level, but also at the At level to educate our primary care physicians for screening kidney for kidney diseases at very early stages and also to ensure appropriate timely referrals to the nephrologist uh, to prevent progression of the kidney disease. I'm looking forward uh, to working with the team and I'm sure we will be able to achieve great heights, you know, working together as a team.
0: Well, I'm very excited as well, and I should give full disclosure that Senator Hunter did appoint me to the task force, and I'm excited to bring the resources that Gift of Hope has to being able to support both of you and the task force in terms of creating a positive culture for prevention, education uh, on kidney disease. Thank you so much for being my guest. Thanks for listening to Let's Talk Hope a podcast devoted to sharing stories and turning tragedies into triumphs. We encourage you to start the conversation about organ and tissue donation with your loved ones today and please make your wishes known. You can register to become a donor at giftofhope.org and if you like what you've heard today, we hope that you'll listen again wherever you subscribe to podcasts. Let's Talk Hope was produced by Rivet and if you'd like to hear more great podcasts, please visit Rivet. 360.com.